there's been a lot to learn from the last couple of years. Um, I'm one of those people who uh, I'm committed to learning and in every situation, I'm always looking and asking questions and trying to learn and trying to see how, you know, what, 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 what is coming out of this that, that, that I can see that I didn't see before, that I didn't understand. And, and I think there's so much that we can learn from the last couple of years. And if there's anything uh, or one of the main things that I think we could learn from the last couple of years is that it seems as though much of what we have attempted to build our lives on in just a moment could be taken away from us. And, and then where does that leave us? You know, so many of us in this room, if we were to be very, very honest, much of our lives and identity is built on our jobs. And, and while that makes sense because it's where we spend a great deal of our time, what happens when the world locks down and you can't go to work? So much of us, we, we build our lives based on our kids going to school. Here in South Africa, it seems like trying to plan anything with anyone, all, you always have to take into consideration the kid's school schedule, right? And everything, if a person has school-age kids, everything in their life uh, really revolves around and operates around that school schedule. But what happens when there's a lockdown and the kids can't go to school? Um, there were a lot of us who thought we were amazing parents until we had our kids all day long, every day, day after day after day. And then we realized that parenting was a little different than we thought it was. Well, you guys seem excited about that. A lot of us thought we had incredible marriages until we were together all the time, right? Um, a lot of us thought we had it all figured out and our life plan was working and our retirement plan was on course until all of a sudden we had to take a pay cut. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden the money wasn't happening the way we thought it was happening. Our lives were built around trying to fill this void and these gaps that existed or that we thought existed. And we were driven by these motivations and then all of a sudden disruption came. And I don't know about you, but then we began to question what am I really doing? What have I been spending my life on? I've been spending my life on this job and this career. I've been spending my life on making sure my kids go to the right school or the best schools. And then come to find out they can send me all the curriculum and I can do it with them at home. What am I spending all this money on all these years? Besides them not being at home. Well, that's a whole other thing, right? Right? All of a sudden, people begin to figure out, you know what, I'm capable of teaching my kids to read and write and do maths. I'm, all of a sudden, we begin to figure out, I don't have to go into the office to get my work done. I can work from home. One of the greatest revolutions going on in the world right now is the fact that even though COVID restrictions are beginning to end, a lot of companies are saying, why have we been spending so much money on building these big buildings and office suites and all of these things when people can be more efficient working from home, costing us less money? Right? All of a sudden, the motivations and why we do things the way we do them, all of those things have been turned upside down. And we really start to question, we start to question, why have I been driven in such a way? Why have I been hungry for certain things? Today, I want to talk about, I want to talk about 
being hungry. Over the last couple weeks, we've been celebrating uh, the holidays, and the holidays are a wonderful time for us to uh, be together. And, and I don't know about you, but for me during the holidays, it's a time where uh, I, I kind of let my hair down. I kind of begin to indulge in things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. I eat a little more than I would ordinarily eat. I get out of my normal disciplines and normal routines, anybody besides me. Yeah, all right. Good to see there's a few honest people in the room. And the, the truth is, a little bit of indulgence, uh, having a little extra to eat, all of those things are perfectly fine for, uh, for most people. But then there are those who, you know, they can't, they can't have controlled indulgence in their life because maybe of a previous addictions, maybe uh, because certain areas create triggers or weaknesses in their life. They, they can't indulge or we can't indulge. And we have to be really, really careful about those things because the truth is a little bit of indulgement, a little bit of indulgence, if you're not careful, can lead to uh, the triggering of unhealthy patterns and unhealthy systems and addictions in your life. I mean, how many of you have to detox after the Christmas holidays? Yeah, because you, you didn't realize you were a sugar addict until you look up and you've eaten the entire bag of sweets that you had bought for the children for Christmas, but you've eaten them all, yeah. right? You didn't realize that you were uh, a media addict until, you know, the, the room is gathered. We're all going to watch our special Christmas movie. And you look up in the middle of the movie around the room and everybody, instead of watching the movie, is watching the little screen between them and the big screen. And you realize what's going on. My whole family's addicted to their phones or they're addicted to media. And that little bit of a binge watching all of a sudden turns into a pattern. We are people who are driven by our appetites, and we have to be careful about those appetites. And, and, and hunger and appetites can be, it can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. Patrick Lenciani said that hungry people are always looking for more, more things to do, more to learn, more responsibility to take on. There's something about being hungry that drives you. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and you're hungry? And you try to stay in bed, but you can't go back to sleep because you're hungry. Hello? In the middle of the day, you're trying to get your work done, trying to do something, but you can't concentrate because you're hungry. We have a saying in our house called being hangry. You ever heard of being hangry before? You get so hungry that now you're angry and you can't concentrate. You can't get anything done. Hunger can be a good thing. Obviously, it can be something that drives us. Our hunger can be a bad thing. It can be something that moves us down the track of taking on so much to satisfy our appetites. For me, one of the things that I enjoy about this time of the year with the office being closed is, is, is a hunger that I have, a hunger to learn, a hunger to grow. And so uh, a lot of times during this time of the year, um, I try to read a lot. Uh, our family, one of the things that we do as a tradition is we buy each other books. Uh, I know that sounds exciting to a lot of you, but we do other things, but we try to buy each other interesting books uh, during the holidays. And uh, my family 
always does a great job getting me uh, some interesting books. And so over the last week, I've been able to read uh, a biography on Elon Musk, very interesting guy. Uh, I've been able to read a book about um, uh, high altitude precision bombing that was developed during World War II, absolutely fascinating. Read a book on... Uh, networking and the way that China really is emerging as a, uh, as a technology leader in the world and expanding their footprint and trying to rebuild the Silk Road around the world and into space through networking. It's been fascinating. And then the last uh, book that I've started is probably more along the lines of something that I would ordinarily read. It really was a book that I gave uh, my kids, my older kids, last year for Christmas and had it and wanted to read it, uh, but just started it. And it's a book called Grit. Um, and this book called Grit is by a woman named Angela Duckworth. And she talks, about, she talks about grit and grittiness. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It's called Grit. And uh, in this book, she tells the story or, uh, about uh, bricklayers. And she makes this statement. She said, three bricklayers are asked, what are you doing? The first says, I am laying bricks. The second says, I am building a church. And the third says, I am building the house of God. The first bricklayer has a job. The second bricklayer has a career. The third has a calling. And she tells this little anecdote to talk about the difference between those kinds of people who are going to achieve great things in their life and those kinds of people who just kind of get through life and then those kinds of people who quit everything they start. And she's talking about this distinction and she's talking about the kind of people who are gritty and the kind of people who have grit, the kind of people who accomplish amazing and incredible things in their life are the kind of people who have a calling. They have a hunger inside of them to do something that is big and something that is transcendent. And she's done all kinds of research on all kinds of people all over the world. And the thing that distinguishes people who accomplish great things are people who have grit. And those gritty people are people who are hungry toward a calling, a motivation that is bigger than themselves. The question that I felt like God wanted me to ask this morning for you and I, is what are we hungry for? What is your hunger in your life? And you may say, well, how do I know what I'm hungry for? Obviously, I know when I'm, I'm hungry for malva pudding, or I know when I'm hungry for uh, uh, meat off the bry, or I'm hungry for salad. I don't know whoever gets hungry for salad. I know when I have a craving for something like that, but obviously, Pastor, you're talking about something different than that. How do I know what I'm hungry for? It's very, very simple. You know what you're hungry for by what you spend your time and energy pursuing. You know what you're hungry for by what you spend your time and energy pursuing. And as painful and difficult as the last couple of years have been, for many of us, what it has revealed to us is the disruption of what we have spent our time and energy on. And what it has also illustrated to us is not just the disruption of what we've spent our time and energy upon, but how quickly and how easily those things that we've spent our time and energy on could be taken from us and how much it leaves us unsatisfied. 
satisfied. The thing is, is during the holidays, we get into this habit of eating sweets and we get into this habit of drinking cola and all of these things. And what we know is that as wonderful as those things are and as addictive as sugar is, we know that ultimately those things are not good for our body and ultimately those things leave us on empty. Our metabolism goes through those sugars just like this and we find ourselves hungry time after time after time needing more and more and more of these things that may fill our belly but never will satisfy us. And I'm wondering, wondering, have we been able to look back over the last couple of years and realize that the things that we have been pursuing while they put out the trappings of success in our life that perhaps they are not really there to satisfy us. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 26 says, The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. In its typical way, Proverbs takes something that's very, very simple and, 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 and makes it very easy for us to understand. Hunger or appetite of desire is not positive or negative. In and of itself, hunger is fuel. It's something that causes us to be motivated towards something. The writer of this proverb says someone who's hungry is someone who's going to work. Because they're hungry, it drives them. Hunger is a good thing when it's directed in the right direction. Hunger is a good thing when it's directed in the right direction. But when it's directed in the wrong direction, it becomes destructive in our lives wondering, is it possible that some of the things that you and I have been hungry for may not be what has been the most healthy for us, may not be what, God, what, what constitutes God's best for our lives. As we survey the things that we have an appetite for, can we ask ourselves an honest question? Is this for my good? Is this leading me to be the person that God has called me to be? Or ultimately, is it moving me toward my destruction. The writer of Proverbs says hunger is a good thing. Hunger motivates the labor. It drives the labor. But the question is, what are you hungry for? If you're hungry for the right things, then it drives you toward the right things. But if you're hungry toward the wrong things, then certainly it's going to lead you toward destruction. Last year, around, I think it was last year at Easter time, I shared with you guys that I had discovered something new uh, since living in South Africa. Do any of you remember me talking about those things? I had a minor obsession last year around Easter. Those little like marshmallow egg things. What are those things called? Yeah, the eggs, they're something. Like we even, I, I even, I'm very scientific. I even like instituted a, a test to see which one because Cadbury had one and then what's the other company Beacon had one and we did a blind taste test to see which one was better Beacon won by the way just so you know but I I got addicted to those things and man everywhere I went and the the thing is South Africa feeds those addictions you guys are serious about your beacon eggs they're everywhere but then I got messed up this Christmas season because you know what they started doing? They started marketing those suckers during Christmas time. 
and in my stocking, someone who loves me very much put those in my stocking. But I, I've like resisted because I know that I've got an addiction to those, or I could easily fall into addiction with those things. They're not for my good. I may love them, I may enjoy them, but they're, they're not for my good because as marshmallow as as they are, they could cause me to become marshmallow-y very quickly. <laughs> and that's the thing with craving, is that, that, that craving, if you're not careful with it, minor indulgences, if you're not careful with it, allow, allowing your mind and your heart and your spirit to go to those soft and gooey places, if you're not careful with it, can create patterns of destruction in your life. The unfortunate thing that I've watched over the last, I'm just being very transparent and honest with you, over the last five years that I've lived here, the first year that we lived in South Africa, we had not started the church yet, and I remember in December going visiting a church. We were attending a church. And I remember the pastor's wife getting up. And, and I, it just struck me so much because she got up and almost like, uh, like a militant school teacher, she got up. And, she, and this lady was usually very sweet and kind every time she spoke. But she got up and she was like, now I know that it is the sillies season. And some of you are going to be tempted to go out and do things you ordinarily wouldn't do. But I'm telling you right now, you need to stay away from those things. And it was like her whole demeanor changed. Like usually she would get up and she was very kind. And I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of crazy. I can't believe that she spoke. But then, then I remember like after Christmas, there, there were less people at church. And then that following year, we started uh, we started meeting we started up having the bible study in our home then we started started north place and and i i'm not exaggerating every christmas season we lose people every christmas season we lose people because what happens is what happens is we indulge in the soft and gooey things that we know better than and there are people, there are those among us that it begins to trigger patterns of behavior in their life or guilt or condemnation in their life. And every Christmas season, we lose people because every Christmas season, somebody plays around with something that they have no business playing around with. And it triggers within them a craving that they cannot control. It's been a heartbreaking for me as a pastor. And, and, and I've thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to. I'm very tempted to be like that pastor's wife was that first, to get up in December and say, don't do it. Because the problem with craving is that craving creates within us a blindness to what we know is best for us. The Bible teaches us about this in Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 to 34 to you. It says, the boys grew up, talking about Esau and Jacob. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. 
So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now I know for many of you who've been around North Place, I know for a fact this isn't the first time that you've heard this story. I've preached and taught from it before. I'm not going to go into all the details of it this morning. I simply want to illustrate what is very, very clear from this story. When we allow our appetite to go unchecked, when we allow our hunger to go unchecked, if we're not careful, that hunger and that appetite can blind us to what is best for us and cause us to make choices and decisions that sell short the purposes and destiny of God in our life. This guy had been out working, he was hungry, and he was tired, and he came in, and his guard was down because he was hungry. His guard was down. He was, he was hangry, if you will. And his brother baited him into selling his very identity. The Bible says that he despised his birthright. He sold it short. He sold it out for basically a bowl of red beans. How careless, how ridiculous. And it's easy for us to look at this story hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. And it's easy for us to think, man, how, what kind of guy is Esau? What kind of guy is this? It's easy for us to look at this judgmentally and think, that's ridiculous. How would anyone ever do that? And yet, we're all too willing to linger on that website that we have no business looking at. We're all too willing to play back over and over and over again that scene and that movie that we shouldn't be watching to begin with and allow our cravings to be fed by something that destroys our identity, that breaks the sanctity of our marriage or the marriage that we don't have yet. Pastor, I'm not married. It's no big deal if I don't look on that. No, that's being imprinted in your mind. And that relationship of intimacy that you're supposed to have with a future spouse will be distorted forever because of that imprint on your mind. Because you keep watching that scene over and over and over again. And no one's looking and no one sees. And you think it's okay and you judge Esau. And yet, you're selling your birthright to feed a craving. You just keep... Drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And oh, it's, it's, just, it's just the silly season. It's no big deal, pastor. You're rude and you're hateful and you're disruptive to your home. You're wasting the money and resources that God has given you. And before you know it, you're caught in a pattern of addiction. I could go on and on and on. We judge Esau and yet we behave just like him when we don't value the greater good that God has created us for and we sell it out in moments of impulse in moments of 
quieting our growling stomach. We despise our dignity. We despise the righteousness and the holiness that Jesus has provided for us that we celebrated just a few minutes ago. We despise it because we're quieting our growling belly. Oh, I'll just fudge the paperwork a little bit right here just to get the deal done because I need to get paid. And by the way, I'm a tither, so this is the way God is blessing me. I despise the identity of a child of God. So I think I have to lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead like everybody else. What are we hungry for? See, what we're hungry for, what we're hungry for is very, very clear based on our actions and our behaviors and our patterns. Crazy thing about this Genesis story is that it's transgenerational. We read in the passage to you that that this, this man, Esau, he was just following in the pattern of his father, Isaac. Go on and you read the story as it finds itself playing out. Of course, we know that we know that to get this birthright is a big deal. It's generationally transitioning the identity of this people and this birth order of this people and the way that it had been designed. And if you go on to Genesis chapter 27, let me read verses 1 through 4 to you. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he, declared, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment. Get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Be, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, I crave, I desire, and bring it to me so that I'm able to give my blessing before you die. Remember earlier we read it, this man Isaac loved the wild game, and that's why he loved Esau more than his brother, and, and because his brother, because Esau would go out and he would get the wild game. The sad reality, if you go on and you read Genesis chapter 27, is that this whole, this whole story unfolds where the mother literally participates in the deception of Isaac. But the whole situation there centers around Isaac's craving for wild game. He couldn't see because he was old. He sent his son out to get the wild game. It smelled a certain way. It was cooked a certain way. That desire came, or that situation came out of his desire to fill his craving before he died. And because his senses were so dulled by his hunger, and because those around him participated in his deception, what we read in Genesis 27 is that he ultimately violated his responsibility as his father to pass on to the next generation the correct blessing. Man, this is so good. I really hope you get it. Because his craving was driving him, 
because he wasn't clued in to what was going on in his home and his circumstance and the moment in the situation, he felt even though his son had done wrong, he still had a responsibility to pass on the blessing. But he himself had passed on the dullness of the senses of an individual who was driven by the craving instead of what was right. Mom, dad, what are you hungry for? What are you passing on? You know who become alcoholics? Children of alcoholics. You know who becomes criminals? Children of criminals. Study after study after study has been done all over the world. You know who become sex offenders? People who were offended sexually when they were children. You could study psychological studies all over the world, spanning time and culture and space, and the pattern exists time after time after time. When people are wounded, they go on to become wounders themselves. When people are broken, they go on to break others. Much as blessing is transgenerational, so is the curse. When hunger is demonstrated, when a weakness towards craving is demonstrated, it's passed from one generation to another. One of the tragedies, is, and there are so many in this story from Genesis, one of the great tragedies is that the same, the same inability to make conscious and proper and healthy decisions based on a craving was passed from one generation to another. And ultimately, ultimately, Esau lived his life under the burden and the brokenness of a man who was driven by his cravings and not driven by his destiny and his identity as he was supposed to be. What are you hungry for? How do I know what I'm hungry for? What are you pursuing? What are you spending your time and your energy on? Because where you spend your time, where you spend your energy, what you pursue, what you allow your mind to wander to, what you allow your hands to touch, and where you allow your feet to go, and where you allow your eyes to fix, it all demonstrates what craving you're responding to. Jesus said in this famous message in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus made it very, very clear that as God's people, if we will be hungry for him, if we will crave him, if we will desire him, that we will be filled. That unlike the pursuit of a career that can in a moment be taken away from us because of a global pandemic, in, 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 in spite of a pursuit of money and finances that in a, in, a, in a global banking glib in one moment can be taken from us, in spite of all of those things that can be taken in a moment that is going to pass away. In fact, scripture says it will all pass away. Alternatively to that, God says, what won't pass away is my kingdom. If you hunger and if you thirst after my kingdom, you will be 
filled. So you may say, well, Pastor Andy, how do I do that? I recognize, I understand the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I see patterns in my life. I see addiction in my life. I see, I see things in my life where I linger and I follow cravings. How do I break those cravings? How do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because the history of God's people demonstrates this to us over and over and over again. There is a pattern throughout the history of God's people. Something that they used as a tool to bring into alignment their craving and to bring into alignment their hunger. Historically, God's people have used, it's not a curse word. Historically, God's people have used fasting as a way of aligning their appetite and attention toward the things of God. See, over and over and over again through biblical history, God's people practicing the discipline of fasting. It's so interesting to me as you, in our modern culture and society, one of the hottest things in health and fitness right now is fasting. If, you're, if, you, if you read anything, or if you're into health and fitness at all, one of the hottest things is fasting. And we know for a fact, biologically, that fasting is good for us, that intermittent fasting is wonderful for us, for, us to, for our bodies to detox and for us to gain control of our appetites and for us to gain control biologically and cause our bodies to reset and function properly. That's one of the reasons why I believe it's so clear that God taught his people to practice the discipline of tithing because biologically it is good for our bodies, but it's not just good for our bodies, it's good for our soul as well. There's something about saying no to the desire of our flesh that causes us to be able to bring our spirits into alignment with God's best for our life. Some of you are coming and expecting it today, some of you are not. But starting this Wednesday, I'm calling us as North Place Church into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now some of you, you're accustomed to this. This has been a part of your spiritual upbringing and you're, you've heard of fasting your whole life. Some of you, maybe you've never heard of fasting before. I would encourage you... Uh, all you have to do is go to scripture. Scripture has so much to say about fasting and so many times when, when God would prompt a leader to call his people into a time of prayer and fasting. There are lots of different ways uh, that you can fast. And so what I recognize and I understand in this room, there are lots of you who have lots of different kind of health things going on in your bodies. Lots of you are at different places of maturity. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is to commit to 21 days of prayer and fasting starting this Wednesday. And when I say fasting, I'm going to encourage you uh, to take time, seek the Lord about the right kind of fast for you. Because for different ones of you in this room, that's going to look very, very different. For some of you, if you were to be really honest with yourself, that earlier when I was talking about everybody in the family staring at a screen when you're supposed to be watching the special Christmas movie that you always watch, it kind of it kind of niggled at you a little bit when I said that. Because if you were to be really honest, the addiction, the craving that exists in your life really is as much digital as it is anything else. 
And perhaps, I know when I say fasting, you start to panic and you start to tell me the list of all the medical reasons. Maybe you just need to fast social media for the next 21 days. Maybe the greatest sense of freedom and deliverance that could come in your life would be in the area if you just got off of WhatsApp and got off of Instagram and got off of Facebook and whatever else that's out there for the next 21 days. Well, I can't do that because of work. Well, it's simple. Sign in and do it during work hours and then sign out when work's over. So perhaps it could be 21 days of fasting social media. Perhaps it could be 21 days of turning off the television. When I was talking about that earlier, some of you in this room, something began to stir inside of you because if you were to be really, really honest with yourself, you would admit Pastor, I'm violating the sanctity and the holiness and the righteousness of who God created me to be in his image because I'm watching things that, that sexualize and I'm watching things that degradate the imago day of fellow human beings that I have no business watching. And 21 days of turning the TV off would be the best thing for you. Perhaps 21 days of going on a juice fast, perhaps 21 days of just a water fast. You could, whatever it is that will work for you, the important thing is, is that you're saying no to your flesh and no to your cravings and that you're spending that time that you are saying no to your flesh, you're spending that time pursuing God. Some of you for four years have resisted a daily 20 because you don't have time for a daily 20. But if you would do the timer on your phone, you would realize that you're spending an hour and a half on social media while you can't spend 20 minutes on the things of God. Some of you have resisted daily Bible reading and yet you have no problem spending countless amounts of time every day consuming media and television. Some of us have a difficult time. We have a difficult time developing a deeper relationship with God, but we, we don't have a difficult time developing a deep relationship with our refrigerator. So I'm not going to mandate, nor am I going to call us to a specific kind of fast, but I'm going to challenge you, no matter who you are in this room, that for 21 days, starting on Wednesday, that you commit yourself to a season of prayer and fasting. So you choose something or multiple things in your life that you're going to say no to, and the time that you would ordinarily spend with that thing, whatever it is, you spend that time doing the things of the Lord, pursuing the things of the Lord. And I want to share, I had a lot more notes about this, I just don't have time for this morning. I do want to share one thing. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gave some instructions around fasting. And this is significant to share. He said this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus gave some very clear instructions on fasting, and this is one of them. And he said, listen, this isn't about you being religious. This isn't about you putting on a show. This isn't about you being pious. In fact, keep your stuff together. 
So I'm saying all that to say next Sunday, some of us are going to be, pa- we're going to be fasting food and some of you guys are going to be able to eat donuts and we're not going to be able to. And I'm not going to come up to you and say, oh, that donut looks good. <laughs> some of us, maybe we're going to fast caffeine and, and maybe we can have a donut, but we can't have coffee. I'm not going to go up to you, let me smell your coffee. You know, I'm fasting caffeine. Do you have decaf back there? I, I can have decaf. This isn't about putting on a show. This isn't about making yourself feel good about yourself and about making others see how religious and righteous you are. This is about the Lord. Please, 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 I don't want to see you for the next three days posting. I want to warn everybody, I'm not going to be on social media for the next 21 days because the Lord wants me to get close to him. I promise For all you influencers, the world isn't going to fall apart if you don't post for 21 days. And you don't need to tell us all. We'll be okay. If we're worried about you, we'll find you. Please, please, as we go into this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're not going to put it all over social media and advertise to the world. North Place Church is in a season of prayer and fasting for the city of Durban because we're so holy. No, this is between us and the Lord. This is family business. This is my business between me and the Lord. Amen? Amen? So however, however you sense the Holy Spirit leading you, and that's why I'm giving you a warning of a few days, is to pray about it for the next couple of days and ask the Lord, Lord, what would be be the area of my life that would make the most difference to help develop hunger for you if 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 I gave it up for the next 21 days? I'm giving you a few days warning to prepare yourself because some of you, if you go cold off of caffeine tomorrow, everybody in your life's gonna hate you. You need to wean yourself off. Same with social media, same with, so it gives you a few days to ramp up. If you're gonna be fasting food, start, if you need to start increasing your water intake over the next few days. If you're coming off of caffeine, you need to increase your water intake over the next few days, big time. Because you gotta get your body prepared and ready for it. Are you with me? I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. The worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in that song, Hungry Again. I believe what God has spoken to me is that he wants to provoke hunger within his people. Hunger within us. But just like naturally, biologically, hunger for good and healthy things doesn't always come easy when you've been eating a junk food diet. Hunger for the Lord doesn't necessarily come easy. For many of us, for many of us, we come and we nibble on Sunday and it satisfies us throughout the week. I believe what the Lord wants to do is to create hunger that will cause us to be spiritually insatiable all week long. Specifically, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say to some of you in this room, and I really would ask you to listen to me very closely right now. Some of you in this room, 
there have been seasons and times in your life when you were so passionate about Jesus that it drove every moment of your life. There are some of you in this room who have spent countless hours at prayer meetings and all-night prayer services and revival services. You would linger around the altar of your church on Sundays. You would stay there all day long because you were so hungry for Jesus. For some of you in this room, you would get up early in the morning you would start your day with hours of prayer and Bible reading and those seasons have passed and if you were to be very honest with yourself if you look back those are some of the best seasons of your life and for some of us in this room those seasons Maybe they passed just because of time and space and circumstances changed. But for some of us in this room, those seasons passed because maybe we were hurt by the church or we were disappointed by leaders or people. Something caused us to get disillusioned. Some of us just wore off over time and found ourselves chasing a career and chasing a life. And some of us dealt with a major disruption but for whatever reason whatever reason there are many of you in this room that the history of your life records a time in which you were passionately pursuing Jesus above everything else and as your pastor this morning I feel directed by the Lord to call you back to that time in your life to call you back to that time where you pursued him passionately. Listen, you've seen over the last couple of years, your career can go away, your bank account can go away, stuff can happen, your health can go away, but his kingdom never fades. Some of us, we've had money, we've had careers, we've had jobs, we've had cars, we've had life, and we still aren't satisfied. If we were honest with ourselves, the only time when we really pushed away from the table and really felt full, really felt satisfied, was when we were pursuing Him. I'm challenging you this morning. Not pursuing the church, not following Pastor Randy, not pursuing north place no 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 not about any of that stuff because man and people will let you down i'm calling you this morning pursue jesus be hungry for jesus some of you are young enough that maybe you haven't had those seasons and you haven't lived through enough of life to see all of that challenging you as your pastor this morning to set your affections on Jesus. I've tasted of the world. It doesn't fill your belly. The only thing that will fill you is Jesus. Seek him. Let me pray for you. I pray this morning for my, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Desra was so so right her and I our heart are for this people we are for this community as much as much as we love them and are for them Lord you love them so much more and you are for them so much more father I pray this morning 
that you would begin to supernaturally stir within us a hunger for you, a thirst for you, a desire for righteousness, the things of God, the presence of God. God, that you would provoke within us a hunger for you. And over the next few weeks, Lord, that you would cause a shift to begin to occur in us as we say no to our flesh, that you would begin to cause our spirit to fall in love with you more and more and more, to hunger and thirst for you, Jesus, more and more and more. Lord, I pray that you would reveal our appetites to us. Help us to see clearly our appetites. Help us to not be blinded by our appetites so that we are passing from one generation to another a pattern of brokenness and a pattern of gluttony and a pattern of partaking of things that make us unhealthy instead of healthy. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Shine the light of truth and righteousness on us. The deepest parts of our being, the deepest parts of my psyche, the deepest parts of my mind and heart and spirit. Holy Spirit, search me. Search me, reveal any way in me that is not of you. Show me my patterns, show me my addictions, show me my tendencies. Holy Spirit, search me. Show me the areas of my life that need to be surrendered to you. Make me hungry, Lord. Make me hungry for you. Make us hungry for you, Jesus. Let me pray a blessing over you on this first Sunday of the new year, and then we will go. Father, I thank you so very much for the community that we have here at North Place. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in us. And I thank you for what you're stirring in us. God, you're calling us to a place of hunger, of thirst for you. Lord, it's been my impression that you are about to raise the spiritual temperature at North Place. That you're about to do a special work in us. Lord, I remember as a kid and as a teenager, seasons of revival that you would bring my church into. And those seasons of revival really shaped the spiritual trajectory of my life. And one of the things that you've put in my heart is that, God, you're bringing us as a community into one of those spiritual seasons of revival that are going to shape the trajectory of the lives of many of the young people that are in our church that are going to refresh and renew the passion for those of us who have been following you a long time. And so, Lord, we ask you, We ask you, let your presence just reign on us. Lord, stir within us renewal and refreshing and revival. Provoke within us a passion for you. God, as we go after this first Sunday of the new year, I ask your blessing on your people. Lord, as our our appetites align with you, Lord, I ask your blessing on us in everything that we do and everything that we touch in 2022. Lord, may we walk in not just your blessing and not just your favor, but in your wisdom and in fervor for you so that your glory might be known in this city, in this nation, and around the world. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.